Look, I know this has been rain three Sundays in a row, but look, you're going to have to pick it up a little bit today. Good morning. It's good to see you guys this morning. You're supposed to say it's good to see you too, okay? Uh, listen, a shout out to, to the guys on sound and lights and media and all that stuff, cameras. Thank you guys. Uh, yes, thank you. you. You have no earthly idea the amount of work these guys do or put in. And uh, I just want to say thank you. We talk about you guys all the time, but it's all good. I promise you, it's all good. And, uh, but thank you guys for all the extra effort. Um, you, you guys are, are much appreciated. If you ever want to be a part of that team, get with Brian. He'll show you. Uh, they'd love to have you come in and volunteer and serve. And it's just a great place. And uh, thank you guys for all that you do. Listen, at the end of our service today, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. If you did not pick up uh, Lord's Supper elements this morning, if you'll raise your hand, they'll get you and make sure you're taken care of today. Uh, just raise your hand, keep it up until you receive um, that. And listen, we'd love to, to be able to, to serve you guys today. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Those of you that are at home today, you're welcome to take the Lord's Supper as well. You might just want to pick up a few things because we're going to celebrate that together. Parents, you're here. Uh, last time, um, we found it pretty simple for us to do a song, sort of a transition. And during that song, for those of you that have kids that have made decisions for Christ, or maybe you just want your kids to be a part of that time, you can go back and get them during that song that Brian will sing at the end and uh, bring them back in and we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. But it is a privilege to be able to do that. There is a driving, there's, there's going to be a driving point today. It's a point that we used ah, several months ago in a series that we were doing. But as we talk about family matters, especially what we're going to be talking about today in mutual submission, I thought to myself, there, there's no better point than that same exact point that we made several, several months ago. And uh, you're going to probably hear that and pick up on that. Uh, as we walk through. But I want you to turn over to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be there in just a few minutes. We're in the middle of a series called Family Matters and talking about the family and the importance of marriage and parenting and just all those relationships. And this is what you'll find out if you know anything about relationships, that within relationships, there's always expectations, correct? Is that right? I mean, we all have expectations of different relationships that we're in. Um, and those relationships, what do you do when those when the expectations aren't met, what, what happens when things don't go the way that you think they should go or the, you know, that somebody doesn't to perform to the manner that you think that they should perform? I'll tell you exactly what happens. There's a tension that takes place. And in that moment, you've got to make a decision what you're going to do, Sandy. I mean, you've got to make it a choice of how you're going to respond, what you're going to do. And it's at that specific moment that there's a lot of stupid decisions made, Right? Yes, right, right. We've all been there. We, we, we've all said, okay, God, I'm going to put your stuff over on the side because I, there's some stuff that I'm feeling right now and I'm a little emotional right now. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to do what, the, I'm going to do what I want to instead of obeying your word. And, and it gets us in trouble, right? Have you ever, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many of us have gotten in trouble because we've sort of set God's word over on the side and we've done something that we wanted to do? We can make some pretty poor choices in those moments. You know, we can either choose to ignore what God's word has to say or we can follow what God's word has to say. Well, when Jesus came along, he didn't leave a lot of room for speculation, but he clarified a lot of stuff, especially and we saw last week as it relates to marriage. 
I mean, Jesus didn't say uh, when he was talking about marriage, um, he didn't say that divorce was in God's original plan. I mean, even though Moses had offered a writ of divorce, what Jesus didn't do, he didn't lower the standard. But for those that had experienced divorce, he offered forgiveness and he offered grace for our sinfulness. You know, Jesus, uh, in the midst of that, uh, he refused to condemn those that had fallen short. That's the whole reason. He didn't, he didn't want to do away with us, but he said, listen, I'm going to fill the gap. I'm going to fill the gap. And he just didn't do that in marriage, but Jesus fills the gap in every area. That's why he came. And, and, so, and life just seems to work so much better when you follow God's plan. I, I mean, how many of us have ever just decided we weren't going to do what God wanted us to do and you ended up in a place you shouldn't have been? But if, if you're like me, I think you probably would agree that when we do what God says do, when we follow his plan, things seem to work out so much better. And in those times that we get to struggling, in those times that we're, that we're wrestling, it's a whole lot easier for us to, man, just do it up front. Acknowledge your sinfulness. I mean, instead of making excuses and trying to redefine what God has already put in place, just say, man, Jesus, I'm a mess. I need your, your help. And so with all that being said, we're in this series called Family Matters. And, um, and so what do we do? We're not going to talk as much about where things have been or where things are, but where things could be as it relates to marriage and, and parenting. And so what I want you to do today, I want you to turn over to Ephesians. Look at chapter 5 just for a second. We're going to be there. Um, and, I, and, and we said this last week, and we've said it. We'll say it a lot of times because the reality is it's true. There's just not a lot of good examples in the Bible when it comes to families. You know, when we look at examples, you know, people that we want to follow, when we go through the scriptures, there's just not a lot of good examples. Um, but in the New Testament, Jesus, Jesus taught us some principles specifically about interaction with one another. And what Paul did is he took what Jesus said and he, and, he, and he spoke to the people about what Jesus said and he put them into everyday terms, especially as it dealt with relationships and it dealt with marriage and dealt with living around with, uh, living with one another and interacting with one another. Um, and last week, if you were here, you, you, we sort of summarized the series and, and really four statements that Paul made and said to the church at Colossae. Maybe you remember it. You know, husbands, love your, love your wives as Christ will love the church. Uh, women, you know, submit. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And the last one being fathers, don't exasperate your children, which is a whole lot easier said than done, right? I mean, you guys are supposed to laugh then, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so today what we're going to do, I mean, if, if I were just to take that summary list, which one of those do you think seems to be the hardest? I mean, just from an overall perspective, probably wives submit yourself to your husbands, right? I, all the ladies are yes, yes, yes. Um, but you, I want you to know that, that Paul just didn't make that statement there in, in the, in the, and when he was writing to the church at Colossae, but he also made it here uh, he made it here when he was writing to the, the church at Ephesus. And look at what he says in verse 522. He said, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. And at the, at the center of what Paul was teaching was love. 
And if you've been making your way through the gospel project on Wednesday nights or you've been studying with that Bible study, you probably remember there was a question this past week or the week before last when it was talking about the fact that Jesus summarized the law. And when he summarized the law, he basically said to love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And so he took he took the commandments when he was asked the question, which is the greatest? And he, he summed them up in those two. And at the center of that is love. And when we think about a follow-up question to, to what Jesus said about loving God and loving others, the question might be, what does it look like or what does it require to love as God intended? What does it require? I mean, especially if love was the driving force in ministry, in Jesus's ministry, what what does it look like, Jasmine, to, to love as Jesus? In other words, what does it look like to love as, as Jesus did, as, as our Heavenly Father did, as we interact with one another, as we treat one another, specifically as it relates for us inside of the home? What do we do when our relationships are tested? What do we do when, when people don't respond to us, Jamie, the way that we think they should respond? How, how do we act? Because up until this time, if you'll remember, it was the guy that had the most toys is the guy is that's the guy that made the he's the one that called the shots. You know, the guy that had the position, he had the power, that was the one that made the rules. But Jesus shows up, and what he does is he basically turns everything upside down, and he taught us that the power, the one with the power, uh, should use that power not for his own gain, but for the sake of others. Not to lord it over people but to take the position or the power um, or whatever it may be that they have and leverage it for the sake of those around him. So here's Paul. He's in this letter that he's writing to the church of Ephesus. And he's taking the teachings of Jesus and he's showing us what it looks like to live out the teachings of Jesus in relationship with other. And in verse 22, it talks about wives but I want to back you up one verse, and this is where we're going to sit. In just a few minutes, we're going to make our way on to some other verses. But I want you to look at verse 21, because in verse 21, we see an overarching principle as it relates to each one of us and, our, and, our, and how we should respond as Christ's followers. And this is what Paul had to say. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And let me say that for you, to you again. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so here is, here is submission, mutual submission, not only just applicable for women, but also men and children as well. This idea of mutual submission. Um, Paul said, listen, if you want to be specific, the idea of submission isn't just for the women. I mean, it's just not for the ladies, guys, but it's for all of us. And it should be central to every one of us. And you know why? He told us. Why should we submit to one another? Out of what? Out of reverence for Christ. We don't submit because somebody has a specific position or a, a power. Not because they deserve it, but we submit out of reverence for Christ. Because, because of my reverence and my allegiance to Christ, I'm going to submit. I'm going to place myself underneath and what Paul was saying is that, man, look, this is the standard. It's not about being large in charge, but taking what we have and using what we have to place ourselves on behalf and use it for behalf on behalf of somebody else. 
I mean, and, and how many times do we blow that though? I mean, how many times do we just mess it, mess it all up? But when you mess it up, I mean, how do you just not, not excuse it, but how do you acknowledge it and how do you continue to lean in that direction? I mean, how do I take what I have, what's it, what's it, what's, what's it, the resources that I have, how do I take them and use them for the benefit of somebody else? Not because they deserve it, not because I owe it to them, but as a result of my love and my affection for Jesus out of reverence for Christ. I mean, how many of us don't mind submitting to somebody as long as there's, there's a benefit, Don? I mean, we don't mind giving up as long as we get something in return. But what happens when we don't get anything returned? What happens when somebody doesn't give us what we want to on the other side? I want you to look in John chapter 13. Flip over just really quickly with me because there's a passage of Scripture. It's talking about here Jesus has come into the city of Jerusalem. They're getting ready to celebrate the Passover meal. They're, they're making preparations. Jesus has been teaching all this time. They have been following the disciples. Those that have been listening had heard all the things that Jesus had taught. And here it is before the meal. They're sitting around the table. And look at what happens here. The scripture says that he got up from the table talking about Jesus and he, he took off his, his robe. Um, he wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that he had around them. I, I, don't, I don't know, how many of you have ever participated or, or been a part of a foot washing ceremony? Yeah, it's a pretty humbling time. You know, it's a pretty impactful time. As a matter of fact, it's really uncomfortable. I think one of the most impactful times that I've ever had was in Haiti and taking the pastors that were there and washing their feet um, because they revered us so, so greatly. But it was just a humbling, a humbling experience. And it was the same thing for the disciples that day because here's Jesus, the one that they had been there to follow. He's the Messiah. He, he is... He is the great and mighty one. And, and here Jesus now begins to wash their feet. And they're like, no, 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 no. You, you can't do that. <laughs> you, no, not you. Here, we'll do it for you. I mean, it'd be like Rob taking his employees at the office. And Rob says, guys, I want you to come in and I want you all to sit in here today. And, and you know, I, and, and I want to I wash your feet. I want to wash your feet as a sign of submission and love. And they're like, no, Rob, you can't do that. Here, I'll do that. I mean, I'm the bookkeeper. I'll, I'll help you out. Or, or no, I'm the guy. I'll do it. I'll do it for you. And Rob's like, no, guys, you don't understand. I need, I need to do this. And what Jesus was doing that day is he was painting a picture. And he was not only painting a picture for the disciples to follow, but it was also a picture for those of us to be able to follow and to take note of what it looks like to serve regardless of the position that we have. Jesus is like, oh, I want you to know what it looks like to, to serve others, and so here it, here it is. And then Paul, what he does is he follows up on the example to Jesus, and he says, this is what it looks like to mutually submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mutual submission says, regardless of the position that I have, re re regardless of, of, of the position I might hold inside of the family husband's, what I'm going to do is I'm going to mutually submit myself to those in my sphere of, of influence. And the question that I'm going to ask is, what is it that I can do to help? 
That's that question we asked just you know, a couple of months ago as we were talking about following Jesus. What, what is it that I can do to help? But you know, that, that question is a hard question, Tim, especially when we spend so much time trying to figure out how we can get others to serve us or how we can get, how we can get others to, you know, in the relationship to benefit us. It's something that's very, very difficult. It's outside the norm. Our natural tendency is not to serve others, but to look for others to serve us. Right? Amen? Come on, be honest. I mean, the natural tendency is not for us to serve others, but to look for others to serve us and to meet our needs. But can you imagine how the family dynamics would change if we were to do what Paul had talked about and we were to follow the example that Jesus set and that we were to open ourselves up to be vulnerable enough to ask that question, what can I do to help? How can I help? Um, what happens if that question were a priority inside of our, our, our family? And what happens if we were serious about taking whatever it was that we had, maybe it was our time, m maybe it was our resources, maybe it was our knowledge, whatever, and to, and to leverage it for the benefit of those ar around. Teen teenagers, let me tell you this. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna give you something. I'm not gonna charge you for this. This is free of charge today, okay? All right? But if you want some information, something that will change your relationships, especially inside of the home, um, I, I'm just, here it is right here. Can you imagine what it would be like teenagers for you to be able to say, mom, is there something I can do to help? <laughs> hey dad, hey dad, is there something I can do? Something I can do to help? Um, and look, instead of walking by the garbage that is overflowing, <laughs> or laundry, <laughs> Well, that was my next thing. All right, you know, you know, hey, instead of instead of walking by the dishes that continue to, how about you? And you don't even have to ask that question. Listen, you can just pick it up. Can you imagine the difference that would take place in the home if just the teenagers don't talk about adults? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You really want some brownie points? Let me tell you what to do. Wait till your parents are in a conversation with a couple of other adults, you know, people that they got friends with, and just walk up and say, hey, mom, is there something I can do to help? Talking about impressive. I mean, you really create a stir because after that, the conversation is, man, what in the world are you doing in your house? Because I need some of that in my house. You know, can I pay you for some of that? But parents, I don't think we need to leave us out. I mean, I mean, what, what about us? What if, what if we wanted to, to win the heart of our kids? What about surprising them from time to time? It's, hey, listen, man, I understand you're a little bit, you know, things are a little bit stressful right now. Is there something I can do to help? I mean, is there something I can do to, to maybe take some stress off of you and, instead of us griping and complaining? See, I know that you don't gripe and complain in your house, do you? Nobody does that. Bob, you never griped and complained. I know when the kids were coming up, you never griped and complained. It was, Bob was always there. You know, how can I help you? No, we got griping and complaining in our house. The, the Brocks are not perfect, I promise you that. But what would it be like if we as parents were to practice that and we were to demonstrate that and we were to set the example? You know, what, what is it I can do to help? I can tell you some, I, mean, I can make it look really good where there's been some times, and I've asked that question, but I can tell you sometimes. I didn't want to ask that question, and I sort of ignored it for whatever the reason. It must have been the devil. I have to tell some stories about that. But 
You know, men, we, we, we wonder why sometimes our wives don't ask us about certain things. It's because they already know the answer before they ever ask us. I mean, how many times have they, have they asked us for help, and yet we always have an excuse of why we can't help? Ladies are like looking at me like, you need to take that a little bit further. You know? I, why, why ask him? Because if I, if I have to ask him, he, he ought to notice it before I ever ask him, number one. Number two, if I ask him, he always says, well, I don't have time because, or I'm too busy. Well, what happens if we were courageous enough to ask that question on just a regular basis? Do you think it might revolutionize some of the relationships and the tensions that we face within the home? But you know what it does when there's one person that's willing to ask that question, what it does, Sabine, is it opens up the door for mutual submission. You know, what, what can I do to help? And all of a sudden, you, you know, you got another person that says, oh, what can, I, what can I do to help? You know, and then you got another person, was there something I can do to, to help? I noticed that in our home, when somebody's willing to, to submit themselves and to ask that question, all of a sudden you'll see somebody else do, is there something I can do to help? But you know what? When we don't have time and we're too busy and all of a sudden we find ourselves doing this instead of doing this. Are you with me? Now, some of the biggest obstacles to asking that question might be the fears, the fears of vulnerability. I already know what they're going to tell me. Or it could be self-preservation, holding on to something that we think is ours, or the what-ifs, you know? I mean, how many times do we ask, are we afraid to ask because, well, the what ifs come up. What if, what if, what if I, if I, if I ask that question, what if somebody comes back with something that I don't, I don't want to do? I mean, yeah. What happens if it interferes with my schedule? What happens if it cost me something? I mean, there are lots of, there are lots of what ifs that we can put in there, but if, if we're going to be courageous enough to be able to ask the question, we must be willing enough to be able to understand, to seek to fulfill that request. I understand in my house why a teenager might not want to ask that question because they ask that question in my house. Is there something I can do to help? Yeah, take that cat litter box out. That's the last thing in the world I want to deal with. When my kids go to college, the cats are going with them. They're gone. I don't think I'm going to take out a cat litter box. Y'all have to come get me out of prison or something. I'm going to be selling cats, getting rid of cats. I don't want to deal with a kitty litter box. My kids ask me, is there something I can do to help? I promise you in my house, I can find something for them to do, right? So I get it why a kid doesn't want to ask that question. Let's go pull some weeds. Let's go rake the yard. Let's go clean your room. But Paul says, listen, out of reverence, for what Jesus did for us, we must make ourselves available to others. But you might be taken advantage of. It's probably going to cost you. It's probably going to take you outside of your comfort zone, and it may, and it, 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 it may be a, a little bit uncomfortable. But you know what I found out over the years? Things that are valuable do cost, don't they? I mean, you don't get anything for free. There's a cost. There's a, there's a cost for following Jesus. Even though salvation is free, following Jesus will cost us something. It costs Jesus 
his life. The blessings, yes, they'll receive them, but not only them, but we'll be blessed as well. See, happiness isn't about being large and in charge. It's not about being the head of the household, okay? Man, listen, that's a responsibility. It's not about being at the top of the ladder, but happiness begins to take shape and show up when all of a sudden we begin to take interest in the lives of others. How many times do we find in the scripture where it talks about making the most of every opportunity? Doesn't it say that over and over again? I mean, how do we take what we have and use it so that somebody else can, can benefit? I want you to turn over to the book of Philippians just for a second. See, this idea of what, I, what can I do to help isn't, isn't a unique question, and it's not a new question because it was the same exact question that Jesus himself had to ask. And it wasn't just a question, but it was a choice. It was a choice that Jesus himself had to, to make, and he chose to go to the cross on our behalf. And listen at Philippians chapter 2, and I just I wanted to read this to you to remind, to remind us today of what the scripture has to say. Man, the, 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 God's word is just so full, so full. Look, look, at, look at the picture that we have here of Jesus emptying himself. And Paul, as he's writing to the church there, said, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. What's the opposite of selfish? The opposite of selfish would be generous. What else? Yeah. I mean, don't be selfish, he said. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, that though he was God, he was at the top. Though he was God, he chose, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, to hold on to. Instead, what he did is he gave up his divine privileges and he took a humble position it said he, a humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Hmm. You know, how, how, do we take, how do we take what we have and leverage it? How do we take what we have and use it so that someone else in our sphere of influence, especially within our home, Benefits. How much did Jesus love the church? It's not a trick question. How much did he love the church? He was willing to die for it. To die for it. And when we choose to submit and consider the needs of others, what we're saying is that I'm not just about living life for my sake, but I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to give it up just like Jesus did for me. It's not about more power, it's not about more prestige. It's not about a higher position. It's the better opportunity. All those things of being up here just gives us more opportunity to leverage that for the sake of others. You know, for those of us that are followers of Christ, I want you to read with me in Romans chapter 5. I want you to go back to Romans 5 for a second, and I want you to read this 
Because this is what Paul said when he was writing to the church. And listen, and Brian made a good example. He had a great example of this a while ago, what it's like to, to be helpless and to be without, without help and to feel desperate. Listen to what Paul wrote there in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, man, when we were sinking, when there was no hope, when our lives were in chaos, what did it say? Christ came at just the right time. I, I remember... I shared with the, the early service that uh, I remember a time when I was young and uh, in Austin, we were working the cows. We were playing with the cows. And, and back then, we had, a, we had an old Florida cracker cow. You know what I'm talking about? When those palmetto cows, when those, they were pretty rough. They were tough. And I remember that old cow, she had some big old horns and, and she'd catch you if you, if, if, you, if you mess with her. But she had a calf. And we had had her for many, many years. And somehow, in the midst of us working the cows, I got in between her and her calf. And that doesn't work. That didn't work with her very much at all. And have you ever had that moment when you, when you, when you know something, but you just can't seem to, there, nothing else works. I mean, you can see it. You know what's going to happen. You know you need to move. You need to get out of the way. But you really can't get out of the way because your feet don't seem to move. They're stuck. Are you with me? So I'm stuck. I can't go anyplace. I'm a little low tyke. I, was, I don't think I've ever really been little, but, but anyway. But, but, I, but I, I mean, I was young, and I'm, I'm standing there, and she's coming at me, and all of a sudden, my, I just remember Dad jumping over the fence at just the right time and throwing me over the fence, and she saw him, and she sort of turned away. She's fixing to get me, but she didn't get him. He she turned off and went, and I thought to myself, man, it was about over. It was just about over. And you know, when it was just about over for us, look, Jesus came when we were utterly helpless. He came at the right time and he died for, for us as sinners. Not most, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, not when we were good people, but while we were still sinners, he didn't say, okay, look, you go get yourself together and then come back and see me a little bit later. That's not what he said. While we were still sinners, living in sin, Christ died for us. He gave his all for us. He set an example for us. And what happens when we take all that we have and we use that on behalf of somebody Else. What happens when we take what we have and we leverage it for the benefit of somebody else? You, you know what happens when you choose to live that way? It influences other people. That's what happens. When all of a sudden we start taking the things that God has blessed us with, you may think it's yours, but it really is a blessing from the Lord. You may think your talent, your ability, your stamina, your intellect, or whatever it is, you may think that it's all about you and that you've attained it. No, listen, it's a blessing from the Lord. Everything comes from Him. Everything comes from Him. And all of a sudden, when you recognize the power that you have within our hands to be able to use it on behalf of other people, things begin to change. Man, you talk about communities being impacted. You talk about families being impacted. You talk about churches being impacted. That every one of us have something to give. And what we do is we say, I'm going to pour myself out. I'm going to take myself and I'm going to pour myself out. Not because I'm in it to win it. Not because I'm in it to get something from it. But I'm going to be an example. 
I'm going to take what Jesus has given me and I'm going to pour it out so that somebody else can receive it and can benefit from it. See, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing that day when he took off his robe and he, and he wrapped his towel around his waist and he got that basin of water and he began to wash those disciples' feet. Because what he was doing, he was painting a clear picture for us to be able to follow of what it looks like to serve and to submit, to give what we have for the sake of others. The scripture says this, submit ourselves one to another. When we're following in the footsteps of Jesus, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. Dads, don't exasperate your kids. Foundational. But what mutual submission is, submission to one another is a characteristic of a Christ follower. It's a characteristic of a Christ follower. You know, the, the last thing I want to say is this. Let's say you're, you're courageous enough to ask that question, how can I, I help? And all of a sudden, in the asking that, there's a tension that begins to arise. And all of a sudden, you, you, know, you, you don't know whether you should ask it, but then you do ask it. And then all of a sudden, there's a tension because they ask something from you that's going to cost you. Can I just say this right here, just one little piece of advice? Press through. Press through. Lean into the example. How can I help? Press through that and be serious about it because there's so much at stake. See, there was a time when we were dead in sin. We were separated from the Lord. But Jesus took what he had knowing the cost that it was going to It was going to require. And he asked that question, what can I do to help? And knowing the answer, he, he willingly made himself to the cross and he walked to the cross and he would be pierced for our rebellion. He would be crushed for our sins. He would be beaten so that we could be whole. He would be whipped so that we could be healed. And the Bible says that the Lord laid on him, being Jesus, our iniquities, and he took it all upon himself. And there on the cross, Jesus would die to self, and he would die for our sins. And there's an incredible picture. Jesus submitted himself willingly. But in him dying for us, what took place? It gave us an opportunity to live. Do you see that? When, when he willingly chose to give his life, what he did from graves to gardens, from death to life, that's the privilege. And when we're willing to ask that question, how can I help, what we're doing is we're taking that which is dead and offering an opportunity for life to take place. You know, <laughs> what a privilege we have today to be able to, to celebrate the Lord's Supper, for us to be able to remember what Jesus did and the price that he paid.
And, and today, um, during this song that, that Brian and, uh, is going to sing for us, um, we, we have the privilege of, of just preparing our hearts. Those of you that are parents, um, you can go get your kids if you want your kids participating with you today. Um, those of you that are at home, you have the privilege of laying aside some items that we can partake of those things together. But it's a good time for us to examine our hearts today because this question is really hard. Because you know why it's hard? Because we don't like giving up ourselves. We want life to go as, it, as we want it to go. Not necessarily as, as Jesus would want. We, we want what we want when we want it. But as today is just a reflection, what a great time for us to remember that Jesus paid the price and he sacrificed himself so that we could ask this question, how can I help? Would you listen as Brian sings today and we prepare our hearts? Resurrection 
Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, His wounds have paid my talking about a picture. It wouldn't be long after Jesus had, had taken the robe and he had washed their feet, they would celebrate the Passover meal and they would remember. But it wouldn't be long after that that Jesus himself would, would begin to talk about some things, about bread and how it would represent his body that would be broken and about the wine that would be a representation of his blood that would be shed. And there that night, Jesus instituted and gave them the Lord's Supper as a way of remembering, remembering his crucifixion that they had no idea of, but it was coming. It was coming. And Paul, in his instructions, as he went back to talk to the church about that night, this is what he had to say. He said, for I received from the Lord, which also I passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, that he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And a little bit later that night, as they were, as they were sitting around and they were talking, in the same way the Bible says that after supper, that Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. We know that the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sins. That night, Jesus would be arrested, and eventually, he would be beaten, and he would be tried and he would be led to the cross where he would be crucified. But we know that that story didn't end there because we know what took place and that our Heavenly Father right now is in heaven preparing a place for us, but one day he's coming back. But in the meantime, those of us that are his children, we've got a role to play. We've got, a, we've got responsibility. And that responsibility is to take the hope that we have and to be able to pass that hope onto others within our community that are facing hopelessness, that doesn't know Jesus. You know, just because you may have a position or just because you may have power or prestige does not mean that you do have hope. Hope only comes in Jesus Christ. Salvation only comes through Jesus Christ and the price that he paid. May we be vocal. May we be advocates. 
May we be ambassadors for Jesus so that this community and the communities that surround here, that the people in the workplace, but most of, home, most of all our homes know Jesus. Know Jesus. Because one day he's coming back. And the next time he comes back, he's not coming as a suffering servant. But the next time he comes back, he's coming as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Father, I pray for us today. I pray for boldness that as a church body that we would recognize the responsibility and the opportunity we have to be your hands and feet. I love this church family. I love this church family because what we've talked about today, about just the, the attitude of service and, mission, and mutual submission is one that I see in many of those who call uh, Heritage home. Father, I, I am I'm blessed to be a part of such a, a body that, that understands the responsibility and loves people. I pray that you would continue to grow our influence, that you would continue to give us favor. Father, continue to bless us so that we can be a light into this community so that others may know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Father, would you protect our homes? And for those that are struggling with issues today, I pray that the word that we have spoken and the question that we have posed, Father, I pray that they would be implemented within our homes. And as a result, Father, there would be joy and there would be happiness and blessing as a result of the sacrifice and dying to self. Bless us as we leave this place. Father, may we be instruments of your peace and your love to this community that others may come to know you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.